Support for the Things Above podcast, hosted by James Brian Smith, comes from the Apprentice Institute for Christian Spiritual Formation at Friends University, whose mission is to provide spiritually transforming educational experiences for churches and individuals seeking a radiant, joyful, Christ-centered life. Learn more by visiting ApprenticeInstitute.org. I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You're listening to episode 109. As I often say, this is a podcast for what we call mind discipleship, which Greg Boyd said is the most important discipleship. And when he said that, I thought, wow, that is really true. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, biblically-based thoughts, is a challenge. It's difficult. It is for me. And that's why we do the podcast. So I do the podcast for myself as much as anyone else, because I want to learn how to set my mind on things above, on thoughts that are uplifting and encouraging and fill me with joy and make my heart strangely warmed. That's why we do it. Today's thought from above is this. God is greater than our hearts. When I was in the fourth grade, there was a girl in my class who was the classic mean girl, the bully, the one who everyone was kind of afraid of because if she turned on you, things could go badly. And for, from kindergarten to up to the fourth grade, I had managed to avoid any of that. I never got on her bad side. But for some reason, one day I did, I don't know what I did, but she looked at me one day out on the playground and she was staring at my face and I looked at her and she says, you know what you have? You have a monkey face. Your eyes are too close together. You look like a monkey. And some of the kids laughed. And I turned beet red. And she continued to say, monkey face, you're a monkey face. And every time she got the laugh from the kids, of course, that just really encouraged her. And the more she saw how much of a rise it got out of me, that encouraged her even more. So I sort of just snuck away to another part of the playground, just feeling awful about it. The next day, I tried to avoid her, but she found me, and she said it again, there he is, monkey face. Some of the kids laughed, and I just felt terrible. What I experienced in that moment, I've come to understand, is shame. Now, let me just make a quick distinction between guilt and shame. Guilt is feeling bad about what we've done, and shame is feeling bad about who we are. Guilt isn't always bad. In fact, guilt is quite often very good because when we've done something wrong, legitimately wrong, we ought to feel guilty about it. That's something that's built into the human person is our conscience, that if we've said something that we told a lie, if we've taken something we shouldn't have, there's that part of us that knows a moral code and feels bad about it. So guilt is feeling bad about what we've done. But shame is feeling bad about who we are. And shame is always bad. There is no dimension of goodness within shame. I can rightly feel ashamed about something that I've done, but I'm really talking about guilt when I do that. Shame is about our person. And that's a crucial distinction that I want to make. What I experienced on that playground 
was shame. I didn't do anything. There was nothing I'd done. But when she said, your eyes are too close together and you look like a monkey, suddenly I felt bad about me. I was ashamed of who I was. What I've come to understand, thanks to the brilliant Adrian von Kamm, who I've quoted on this podcast many times before, is that there's a dynamic that's happening when we get shamed by other people. And here's how it works. When she said my eyes are too, too close together and I, have, I was a monkey face, she was creating a form. And, you know, I teach Christian spiritual formation, so I talk about form a lot. So form is going to be the key word here. It's going to be the word of the day is, is the word form. And what Von Kamm explains is that when someone has a negative appraisal of us, it's called the inter-apparent form. That's a key term, inter-apparent form. Inter because it's interrelational. Apparent because it's as something appears. In other words, that's how I appeared to her in this way. And then it's a form. So when she used words, the words that I knew came across. And so when she called me monkey face, then that was a form. Words formed an image in my mind. And all of that came across to me, and then I felt badly. So the inner apparent form is what others say about us through words and through actions. And they become forms or formulations. Essentially, the inter-apparent form is who you say I am. It's your appraisal of who I am. What happens to us in life is that our identity, our sense of who we are, is often sold to the highest bidder. We, we place value in certain people to tell us who we are. Typically, that's going to be our parents. They're the ones who, well, we may be genetically connected to them, right? We're bone of their bone, flesh of their flesh. They brought us into the world. There's something in our souls that says, these people ought to care for me. They ought to be the ones who love me the most and without condition. And so we invest a great deal in the appraisal, the inter-apparent form, of what our parents say about us. And we sell our identity to the highest bidder. And that's going to be parents, but it can be coaches, teachers, significant friends, people that we value, others that we look up to. What they say about us really matters. Now, that girl on the playground, she, you know, she was kind of the queen bee. So kids paid attention to her. And so she was a high bidder, if you will, in that sense. Interapparent form, okay? That's an interrelational. It's apparent. It's what someone is, seems to be saying or what they know. The interapparent form leads to, I know you're going to college today with me, folks. Hang here. Hang with me. The intraapparent form, the intraapparent form is what I say about me. So what happened is when she said, monkey face, that was the inner apparent form, came to me, I then thought, oh my gosh, is something wrong with me? Inside of me, I was constructing a formulation that went, oh my gosh, I'm deficient, I'm inadequate, something's wrong with me, I'm inferior. That's what the intra-apparent form is. It's who we say we are. And again, it's intra because it's happening inside, like intramurals is sports within a school. It's inside of us. It's apparent because, again, it's not real. It's an appearance, and it's a form. So that's why people will say, well, I'm no good, or I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm whatever. That's the intra-apparent form. 
So that's what happens. And here's the thing. Shame is actually unbearable for us as humans. We weren't meant for it. That's why we we recoil against it. Whenever we felt shame on any level, no one likes it. It's because our soul knows better. Like We shouldn't feel ashamed for who we are, regardless of whatever someone wants to shame us about, right? Okay, I'm still doing some forms because remember I told you form is the word of the day. So then what happens is the inter-apparent form, what, who do you say that I am, and then who I say that I am. Well, now I very much want you to think well of me. And so then we recreate what Von Kamm calls the outer-apparent form. And that is how I want you to see me, who I want you to say that I am. And this is when we begin to develop a persona, when we, we put on masks, when we try to be something, we think, well, if I'm this, then people will like me. And we all do it. We find some, some way to get people to think well of us. For me as a kid, it was sports. That was just, when I performed athletically, people went, oh, wow. And they liked me, you know, so like, I'm going to do this more because we all kind of want that. For some, it's academics or it's their appearance or maybe it's the family they're from or whatever it is. But we, we have outer apparent forms. So you got the three forms if you're keeping score at home. Interapparent form, who others say that we are. Intraapparent form, who I say that I am. And then the outer apparent form, the person I project that I want you to see. Okay. Now remember something I said earlier. We don't like shame. And to flip that on its head, we also deeply within our souls want to be valued for who we are. We know that in the world that we live in, we can be valued for what we can do. Like I said, for me, athletics was big. Or for how we look, our physical appearance. Or for what we have, our possessions. Maybe we're from the right side of the tracks, or we have this, or we have the right shoes or clothes. We know that we can find that, but deep down, what we most value is to be loved, to be accepted, to be affirmed for who we are. Not for what we do. Not for how we look, not because of what we have. That's something that we all want. And here's the thing about trying to gain the approval of others, and that would be in the inter-apparent form, is it's a game you really can't win. Because if you're trying to find value and affirmation from others on the basis of what we do, how we look, what we have, well, someone's always going to do better. Someone's going to have more. Someone's going to look better. And that's the nature of it. It's a game you just can't win. And it isn't a game we even really want to win because we don't want the affirmation for those things. You probably know someone. I have several people in my life who, in, in those three categories, what they can do, how they look, what they possess, you would say, wow, they're fantastic. I mean, they ought to, they ought to be, maybe even be prideful but they're not. They're very insecure. And the reason is because we don't really want that. We know better. If it's all we can get, we'll take it. If that's the only affirmation I can get her for those things. But I want something else. Okay. You may be saying right now, this is, is this Christian? Is this podcast? What is, what's Jim doing today? It's like just psychology stuff. Well, see now I said Adrian Von Kamm. He's the one who taught me about the forms And there's another form that he talks about, and that is the Christ form. The Christ form is the person of Jesus 
in his everything he did and everything he said, the Christ form, that's, that's who we encounter. We encounter him, when, and all of us who have encountered Jesus in some way, you're encountering the Christ form, however you met him, however you relate to, to Jesus. But the Christ form comes to us and also has an appraisal of us. And here's the thing. Jesus is the only person who gets to tell you who you are. The inter-apparent form, right? Like what mom and dad said about me, what my teacher said about me, or what that person said, or me on the playground, what that girl said about me. That's an inter-apparent form. They don't get to say, even the ones who are most in our corner, most in, in our favor, those people don't get to say because they're limited. The only person who gets to say who you are is Jesus. Now, this leads me to a verse that just rocked my world back in the day. And it was in the, I remember the first time I really thought about this verse. Richard Foster actually was teaching on it at a Renovare event. And it was the last talk of this conference. And I was sitting near the front and Richard just talked about this verse, which is 1 John 3.20. Whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Oh, it's such a good verse. Let me read it again. Whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. And what Richard was teaching about in this talk was that our own, our own hearts condemn us a lot. Now, if I was in a classroom with you right now, and you were students, I might say, which of the forms is that when our hearts condemn us, our own hearts condemn us. You got it? The answer is, that's the intra-apparent form. Inter is what another person says. Intra. When our hearts condemn us, when we feel badly about ourselves inside, that's the intra-apparent form. And so what John is saying there, whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. I often say to students, there's no wasted words in the Bible. So when John adds that little clause, and he knows everything, well, that's really important because the little girl on the playground, she doesn't know everything. And your parents, someone even who really loved you and tried to affirm you, they don't know everything. They, they know things. They know something. But God knows everything, and he's the one who gets to say. He's the one. And what is it that God says about you? God says. You are the beloved. That is the word God has for you. This is the same word that Jesus heard at the transfiguration in Luke 9.35. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Chosenness, beloved. Jesus heard those words about himself. And you may be saying, well, that was Jesus, right? Of course, Jesus is the beloved. He's the chosen. But that's the same word that we receive as well, if we can just listen to the Spirit. My friend Trevor Hudson wrote these wonderful words. He said, in stark contrast to ourselves, when Jesus needed to know who he was, he listened to his Father's voice, trusted that voice, and claimed its truth for his own life. So what Trevor's saying is, you know, you and I are like, well, who's going to tell me who I am? How do I find, I can't determine my identity unless other, somebody else tells me. 
And we look around and we search and we search. But what did Jesus do? He listened to his Father's voice. And as Trevor said, that's a contrast to what we do. Theologian Thomas Mayle said, Jesus needed not once, but again and again at each stage of his mission and each crisis in his living and dying, a freshly confirmed knowledge of his own identity. Think about that, folks. Jesus is fully human. We sometimes forget that. We think of him maybe as a Superman, but he was fully human. He felt what we feel. He was a baby. He was a boy. He was a young man. He felt everything that we feel. I'm sure Jesus got picked on on some version of the playground. Someone said something to him, right? But when Jesus was trying to, d- to figure out who he is, his identity, he listened to his Father. What he did is what we are also called to do. And we must listen to Jesus. John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I know my own sheep, and they know me. I have other sheep that don't belong to this fold, and I'll bring them in also, because they will listen to my voice. They listen to my voice. There's only one person that can tell us who we are, and that's Jesus. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, is the only place we can turn to, to find out who we are. And that word is, we are loved. We are the beloved. That word is greater than our hearts. Henry Nouwen, I've quoted him a lot on this podcast. Henry Nouwen said this, the spiritual life is a life in which you more and more hear that voice that says, I have called you from all eternity. I have loved you from all eternity. You belong to me. And I am your lover. And I love you not because you do good things, not because you have a lot of things, not because people speak well about you, not because you're so exciting or have so many talents. I love you because I love you because I love you. Hear that again. This is the voice speaking to you. If your own heart has been condemning you, If shame has been a real part of your life, hear these words. This is what God says, who's greater than your heart. This is what God says. I love you because I love you because I love you. Whenever our hearts condemn us, and they do, God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Because here's the reason I say this. Remember earlier I said we give our identity to the highest bidder? You know who the highest bidder is in your life? It's Jesus. Jesus is the highest bidder. He had you in mind before the foundation of the world. He became human to do for you what you cannot do to save yourself. He died for you to forgive all of your sins. He rose for you to make sure you never die. He gave his life for you so that he could give his life to you, so that he could live his life through you. Jesus is the highest bidder. He's the only one who gets to say who you are. 
You may be wondering, what happened on the playground, Jim? Well, a couple of weeks passed with me just trying to avoid this girl. And then one day, a friend of mine, and he, had, he was my friend from kindergarten on, and he was born with a birth defect so that he had a limp. And one of the things that he did was he, he kind of learned how to compensate for his, because he would, he would get teased, right, from kids. But he was, a, he was there, our class clown. He was funny, and he was sharp. He was smart, and he could shoot back at someone. And uh, that's how he learned how to cope with his own thing. But he was a good friend to me. So one day we're on the playground, and he sees me behaving weirdly, like not being in the places I would normally be. He looks at me and goes, what's, what's wrong, Smitty? He called me Smitty. I said, oh, I don't know. He goes, something, what's, what's wrong? I said, why oh, that girl over there, she, like, if I go over there, she's going to call me monkey face. Who, her? He knew who she was. Oh, yeah? I said, yeah, she's been doing it. And he walks over to her. He leaves me. He walks over to her. He leans in and he says something to her. Just to her. He whispers it. No one else could hear it. He whispers something to her. She turned beet red. He walked away and he said, she's not going to bug you anymore. And she never did. And I never knew what he said. I think about that story because, you know, I, I think in some ways when our hearts condemn us, that Jesus comes along and goes, wait, who, what, what's, who, what's being said about you? Someone speaking badly of my beloved? And he goes and he does something that breaks that spell, that destroys that shame. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So who are you? You are one in whom Christ dwells and delights. And he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I hope you'll join me next time for episode 110. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast at ApprenticeInstitute.com. Org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and you can also subscribe, which means you'll get them automatically each week. My hope as always is that one day, if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above. <laughs>